Well, I think it's appropriate as we enter this week of Thanksgiving to start off by giving thanks to God. It's a great place to kind of put our hearts as we enter this week. I read a story this week about a a Scottish minister named Alexander White, who was known for his uplifting prayers in the pulpit. He always found something for which to be grateful. One Sunday morning, the weather was so gloomy that one church member thought to himself, certainly the preacher won't find anything for which to thank the Lord on on a wretched day like this. Much to his surprise, however, White began by praying, we thank thee, O God, that it is not always like this. <laughs> you can relate to that with Oregon. The, the weather here, just, uh, you know, not every day is like this. I'm grateful for the summers here in Oregon. Just don't tell the Californians about it, because they'll all come, and half of you guys are Californians anyway, right? <laughs> anyway, there's always something to be thankful for, always something to thank God for. And, uh, and, I, and I'm just grateful this morning, I, as I was thinking about this uh, this morning, I, uh, I had reason to stop and thank God. I, I had to force myself to stop and thank God. Because tonight at, uh, at uh, our youth group uh, meeting, we have uh, what, we, what we call our giving thanks dinner. And uh, we're going we're gonna to cook up a bunch of turkeys. We deep fry them, which is amazing. Um, and we've got parents and volunteers that are all bringing food. And we're going to feed our students and, uh, and thank God for, for what he's done in our lives this year. And, uh, and so last night, I was preparing the turkeys to be fried this morning. And uh, I got this giant ice chest. It's about this big. Um, and and I, I got that and I loaded it up with ice I loaded it up with the brine, which was made out of like water, brown sugar, and salt, uh, filled the thing up, dropped the three birds inside the cooler, and closed it up overnight to let it soak. And it didn't occur to me when I did this that uh, it might have been better to do it in three small ice chests rather than one large one, because by the time I got the birds and the ice and the water all in this giant thing, it weighed over 100 pounds, and uh, it's sitting on the floor of my kitchen. So this morning, as I was uh, getting ready to come over, I had to load up my car with, with the turkeys, and, uh, and I, I had Jenny test it to see if she could like grab one end, and I would grab the other, and we'd go out the house, and like her arm like broke out of her socket. She's, I can't carry this, and, um, and so I'm, I'm muscling this thing up. And I went, I grabbed it and lifted with my legs, like, you know, back straight and pulled this thing up. And I, okay, I can do this. We can make it. And I'm squeezing through the doorway, like, you know, this big ice chest, big David, and trying to, like, get through there. And I've got a couple steps that I have to go down and then a couple steps to go back up. And and I'm just, like, making this, right? I get it out to the car, and my thought was, I'm going to put this ice chest in the back seat of my car. Um, It'll be easy to just lift it up and slide it in. and so I open the car door, and I lift the thing in, and I get the front end in, and I get behind the, uh, the other end, and I start pushing it to get it into the car. And when I pushed it, the water inside went from this side to this side, and then, whew, and the lid opened up, and the turkey brine went all over me. I was completely soaked. And... I'm going, of course, the morning I've got to speak, I'm already running late, and now I'm covered in turkey brine. This is awesome. Uh, (laughs) 
So I quickly went in, changed, changed, or I got the, I first got the ice chest into the car, and then I went and changed my clothes and, and uh, got here this morning only to realize that I left my uh, flash drive with my videos on it at home. And uh, so the guys back there were, were uh, asking for the videos and Jenny had to run home and get the videos for me and get them back. It's been a, a rough morning. So I'm, uh, I'm looking at it going, man, I'm speaking about being thankful, and this morning, I'm not so sure. And, uh, and I thought, you know what I'm thankful for? I, I, I believe God put this in my mind. It, it's silly, but um, I'm thankful for Brian Kunishige. And, uh, and here's why. Every year that we've done this dinner, Brian has prepared the turkeys and the brine, and Brian has brought them over and we fried them together. And this morning I thought, I'm really grateful that Brian's done this and that I haven't had to do it the last two years, and I'm really hoping that he'll do it again next year so that I don't have to. <laughs> There's always something to be grateful for. And, uh, and I love that uh, about God, that he, uh, he will bring those things to mind, uh, even in tough times, even in times when I'm stupid, God will bring things to mind that I can be thankful for and point out the good things that he's doing. I love the book of Psalms for that reason. I really can relate to David in the book of Psalms, not just because we share a name, but uh, I, I've always liked David because his emotions are all, out, all throughout the book of Psalms. One moment he's in the depths of despair, asking God why he's been abandoned. God, how long before you answer my prayers? And in the next breath almost, he's thanking God for his goodness. And that like bipolar, like ups and downs and all that stuff, for some reason it just rings true for me. I understand what that's like. I understand what it feels like to, uh, to be so down and, uh, and yet somehow find a way to give thanks to God. In Psalm 136 David lists about 25 things that he is thankful to God for. And uh, in, in verse 1, he starts with this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. I'm so glad that God is good, that his love endures forever. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we're, we're grateful for your love. You never change. God, our circumstances change, but your love endures forever. I pray this morning that you will bring to mind all of the things that we can be thankful for and trust you with the trials that we're currently in. Help us to use this life you've blessed us with to serve and bless others. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing this morning that I want to share with you is, is give thanks to the Lord. He's worthy of our praise. He deserves our praise. But beyond that, I think it keeps our hearts in the right place. It keeps our focus on the one who gives good gifts. When we begin to thank God for the things in our lives, it turns our focus from ourselves and puts it onto God where it should be. We're susceptible to taking responsibility for our victories and sometimes blaming God when things go wrong. God, how come you haven't answered my prayer? Where are you right now? But when we begin to give thanks to God, it takes the focus off of us. It reminds us that he is good, that he gives good gifts. I, like many of us, have a tendency to focus on the negative. When something goes poorly, that's what I remember. I could do 12 things right and on the 13th time do something wrong and I will fixate on that one thing I did wrong and forget all about the other 12. Uh, I could get a dozen compliments and one complaint 
and I will focus on the one complaint and forget the others. That's just how I'm wired. It's, a, it's difficult for me. Um, and, and, and so I have to be intentional about thanking God for the good things in my life. I really have to focus and make, make a list sometimes of things that I'm thankful for. And when I do, he begins to change my heart and change my perspective. It's a little bit like uh, the movie Pollyanna, if, if some of you remember that movie, uh, where she plays the glad game. She always finds something to be glad about. And, and I have to force myself to play the thanks game, where I thank God for things that he's doing in my life. Watch this video. What'd I tell you? He sure sermonizes something fierce, doesn't he? Brimstone and damnation on top of ham and eggs. The one day a week we have off. I hate Sundays. Ooh, I just hate them. Breakfast still a hot ball in our stomachs and him chewing our ears off from that pulpit. We gotta have roast chicken, though. I'm glad of that. Are you gonna start that all over again? Glad this, glad that? What is all this glad business you talk about? Oh, just a game I play. What kind of a game? Game my father taught me. Helps sometimes. Helps what? When things aren't going so well. That reverend. <laughs> away from the peas. Folks just away. hate the coming of Sunday because of him. Do you know why I hate Sunday? Because it means the starting of another week. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's when you can play the glad game. Here it comes. Miss Goody Two-Shoes is going to find something about Sunday to be glad about. Oh, lay off her, Angie. Oh, stop it. If you knew how to play the game, then you could find something to be glad about, too. But you don't. Huh? All right, Miss Smarty Pants. What's so good about Sunday? Well, there's always something. Huh. You can be glad because... Well, because what? Because it will be six whole days before Sunday comes around again. Huh? <laughs> There's always something to be glad about, to be thankful for. And I know Pollyanna isn't gospel, um, but there's some truth there. There's, some, there's some, something to be said for being thankful. And so I, I make a list of things I'm thankful for. When things are going poorly, I begin to list things that I'm thankful for. I, I just want to share a few of those uh, with you this morning. The first one is, is salvation. I'm so thankful that Jesus paid my debt. And I know that that sounds like a, uh, a good Sunday school answer, nice little Christian boy answer, very basic surface answer. But I just, I have this deep appreciation for the sacrifice that Jesus made I didn't deserve it or earn it. There was nothing I could do to gain it. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short. And I certainly have. And yet Jesus paid the price. See, that separation, the price for that separation is death. Cost of sin is death. Separation from God. And yet Jesus paid the price. He took on my sin, paid my ransom. I'm so grateful for that. What a tremendous gift, undeserved that that is. It was very clear to me the difference that salvation can make, uh, not just in my life, because I, I know what God's done in me, and sometimes I take it for granted, 
But uh, yesterday, Jenny and I were visiting a friend of ours that's uh, in the hospital. He's been going through chemotherapy, and uh, after his last chemotherapy treatment, um, they decided to admit him because his numbers weren't looking good. Um, his kidneys were shutting down. And, uh, and so we went into his hospital room, and uh, he's just really a shell of his former self. And it was a little scary to see him in that state. And we walked into the room, and uh, I was so taken with his faith that he was so certain that God was going to bring him through this. He had no doubt about it. He was fighting. He, he kept saying things like, see you tomorrow, and, you know, where the doctors weren't giving him any hope. And uh, the amazing thing about that is that 10 years ago, when I met him, he was a severe alcoholic and claimed to be an atheist. And Jenny and I had started a church in, in Beaverton, and we had about 15 members in our church. Most of them were uh, people who came out of bars into our church. None of them were believers. Um, I'm not sure what brought them all together. It was the weirdest bunch of people you'd ever see. Um, but I love, I love them all, and he was one of them. And he sat um, in church every week with his arms crossed and, and no expression on his face. And when we would have conversations about God, he would talk about how he didn't believe in God, how in Vietnam he saw so many things and there, there just can't be a God. And, and he would go on and on about it. But over, over time, he began to soften. The Lord began to work on his heart. He accepted Christ. And we've had some amazing conversations and times with him since. So to see him in his hospital bed and, and asking for prayer and believing that God is going to bring him through this most, uh, this most difficult trial he's ever faced, I'm so grateful for salvation. I'm so grateful for the life change that Jesus brings. I'm also grateful for my wife. Somewhere under uh, Jesus dying for me is Jenny marrying me. Uh, maybe a little ways under. But in the same way, I didn't deserve this girl. Uh, if you know Jenny, you know I married way up. Like, she is way better than I deserve. And, uh, and I'm just so grateful for her love. Um, this morning, she was uh, amazing in running around for me um, as I was, you know, covered in brine and late for church and missing my videos. And, and she was just an amazing partner. She, she's like that all the time, and today was no example, I'm, or no, no exception. I'm very grateful for her. I'm grateful for my family. My mom and dad raised me in church. They're godly people, and they, they gave me a godly example. Um, and I know that not everybody has that, and I'm so thankful for that heritage. I have a wonderful sister and brother and nieces and nephews that I love so much, and I'm grateful for all of them. I'm grateful for this church. I shared with you uh, how this church has blessed my life. And, uh, and I'm grateful that it continues to bless me. That uh, the relationships I've established here, the opportunity to serve here, um, the families of this church, I, I'm just so grateful for you. I'm grateful for the students that I get to serve. Um, each one of them is very unique. Um, they have their own unique personalities and trials and struggles and smells. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I love all of them, and, uh, and I'm just so grateful. I, I have to almost pinch myself that I get to do this, that I get to be a cheerleader in their life. I get to encourage them and cheer them on in their faith, and it's just such an awesome privilege uh, to do. I'm grateful for my friends um, the people that, that are there for me. 
And I know they've always got my back. I can rely on them. I think specifically of my life group and the people that I'm plugged in with there um, and what, a, what an amazing help and encouragement they are to me every week. I'm grateful for my home. It's, uh, it, it's a little home that we rent and it's perfect for us and we absolutely love it. We have a roof over our heads and more than we could ask for. I'm really grateful for reliable transportation. Our cars may not be much to look at, but they get us where we, where we need to go, and uh, we haven't had to spend too much money fixing them, and I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful for my good health. Aside from the occasional cold or stomach bug, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm maybe a little too healthy, um, but uh, I'm grateful for my health. And, uh, and the last thing is that I'm thankful for the San Francisco Giants winning the World Series. If you know me, you knew that was coming, right? I mean, that, what a year. I'm so excited about that. But man, here's the thing. When I start going on this list of things that I'm thankful for, I mean, I just listed 10 of them right there. And I could go on and on about all the things that I'm thankful for in my life. This momentum begins to build up inside of me that God is really doing great things in my life, that God is really blessing me. It changes my whole outlook on life when I begin to list all of the things that God is doing. Sure, I could also make a list of all the things that aren't going well. I can make a list of all the trials and, and difficulties that, that I'm facing right now. And, uh, and I could get discouraged by the length of that list. And I know that all of us have areas and seasons of our lives that we're facing that are not easy. And I don't want to make light of those issues at all. I know some people are carrying just a tremendous burden this morning. But a change in perspective can change our whole outlook. In Budapest, a man went to his rabbi and complained that life is unbearable. There are nine of us living in one room. What can I do? The rabbi answers, take your goat into the room with you. The man was not happy with the rabbi's response, but the rabbi insisted, do as I say and come back in a week. A week later, the man came back looking more distraught than ever before. We cannot stand it, he told the rabbi. The goat is filthy. I've had some roommates like that. (laughs) This goat is filthy. Um, The rabbi then told him, go home and let the goat out and come back in a week. A radiant man returned to the rabbi a week later, exclaiming, life is beautiful. We enjoy every minute of it now that there's no goat, only the nine of us. It's amazing what perspective will do. Circumstances are still there, but the perspective changes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will, this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Look, there's plenty to worry about. But what good does worrying do? We can get stressed by all the things that we're facing. Or we can thank God for the good things that are going on. Put those stresses aside. Thank God for what he's doing that is so good in our lives. And then bring those stresses to him in prayer. After giving some thanks to him for what he's done. Philippians chapter 4 says it this way. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Sometimes that thanksgiving, that listing of of all the things that God is doing is exactly what we need to guard our hearts and minds. If we're not careful, our minds go to places that, uh, that our hearts aren't able to handle. We begin to look at all the doom and gloom and the horrible things that are happening around us and we lose hope. But when we begin to thank God, he guards our hearts. He guards our minds. It's amazing, the perspective. The Indianapolis Colts head coach, Chuck Pagano, has leukemia and is currently going through chemotherapy. His immune system is weakened, and so he's not supposed to go into public. But a couple of weeks ago, he showed up at a, a Colts game and uh, gave a speech that I just loved in the, in the locker room. Check this out. I mentioned before the game that you guys were living in a vision and you weren't living in circumstances because you know where they had us in the beginning every last one of them but you refused to live in circumstances and you decided consciously as a team and as a family to live in a vision yes sir and that's why you bring things home like you brought home today. That's why you're already champions and well on your way. I got circumstances. You guys understand it. I understand it. It's already beat. It's already beat. In my vision that I'm living See, two more daughters get married, dance at their weddings, and then hoist that Lombardi several times. I'm dancing at two more weddings, and we're hoisting that trophy together, man. Congratulations. I love all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love that thought of living with vision and not in circumstances. We've all got tough circumstances. And when you've got Jesus, it makes living with vision so much easier. When our hearts are turned toward him in thanks for all the things he's done in our lives, we can live our lives with our focus on him, our vision set on him. Everything else becomes just a circumstance. And your circumstances can be daunting, but your vision can be fixed on Jesus. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 4, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. It's God who gives us the strength. It's him that helps us get through the difficult seasons that we face. It's him that's blessed us with the good things that we have. I, I believe that, that all of us here, you're, you're all talented and you work hard and you're faithful and uh, you love the Lord. But, uh, but God has put those things in us. God has given us those opportunities. It's not by anything we've done 
to earn what he's given us. He's been so good to us. I like this proclamation about Thanksgiving that I read this week. It says, uh, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God who made us. Abraham Lincoln said that in 1863, and I believe the same is true for us today. We think we've done it. We think we've accomplished these things. We think we've earned what we have. And we forget to turn our attention and our gratitude toward the Lord. It's got to start with giving thanks to the Lord. Second thing this morning is that uh, we were blessed to be a blessing. Surely if God has blessed us, it's not just so that we can have a nice, comfortable life. It's not so that we can have a nice house and car and family. That's not why God has blessed us. God has blessed us to be a blessing. Now, if you've got a nice car and a nice house and, and a great family, awesome. God, God can bless that way, absolutely. But he has blessed us to be a blessing to others. Nearly half the world lives on $2 a day or less. I spend twice that on my venti extra hot no water chai at Starbucks. We're blessed. Whether you realize it or not, we're blessed. God has given us so much. Just in Cambodia this summer, I saw this so clearly that uh, you know, the, the average middle class worker works for $2 a day. And as we were driving out into the countryside, uh, we saw these flatbed trucks with some rails on the sides coming into town. And they were packed full of people, maybe 50 or 75 people, standing up in, on the flatbed of the truck for over an hour to get in to work at the textile factories. Because there they could earn $2 a day. And in the country, they couldn't make that much. There were people sitting on the cab, on the roof of the truck, driving into town on these bumpy, dirty roads. And these, these were some of the good jobs. And I thought, man, we're blessed. We have so much to be thankful for. Ken Huff, our missionary there, uh, would, would frequently tell all of our team as, as they commented or, or experienced some you know, poverty and, and all this stuff. And, and Ken would remind us, it's the more we have, the more... Un, or what is it? The more we have, the less uh, satisfied we are. The more we have, the less satisfied we are. That these people had so little and were so full of joy, were so full of, of God's love living through them. It was an inspiration to me, and uh, it, it kind of went along with the, this passage of Scripture that's been on my heart for several months. It was uh, on my heart before we went to Cambodia, and it just rings true even more now. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and Paul is writing the church in Corinth, um, and he's writing specifically about the believers in Jerusalem that are struggling financially. 
They're having a tough go of it in Jerusalem, and the Corinthian church has stepped up and they started to give to help the believers in Jerusalem. And because they started to give, other churches were inspired to follow suit. But somewhere along the way, the Corinthian church had lost this passion to help others. That's how it appears in this passage that starts in verse 10. It says, here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first one who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean that your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. We have been blessed. And there are people in need all around us, all around the world, in our country, in our neighborhoods. Talked about the, the Esperanza outreach and the people that we're, we're trying to serve there. There's need all around us. And it's very evident in the holiday season as there's all these opportunities to serve and to give. And uh, there's just so much need all around us. And God has blessed us so that we can serve others and bless others. It's not, uh, it's not a government system about taking from the wealthy to give to the poor. Um, that's not what, what is being talked about here. This is really a kingdom of God thing, it, which is different than government. The kingdom of God is about those of us who have something helping those who don't. It's about us seeing the needs around the world and doing something about it, like we talked about with what's going on in Cambodia and how this church has given um, so generously to do what's going on in, in Cambodia right now. Paul's not saying here that we should give everything away and live lives of poverty and not enjoy life at all. What he is saying is that we should give in proportion to what we've been blessed with. And we've been blessed with so much. What he is saying is that uh, when we give to others, when we are in need, others can give to us. It's not a popular view politically but it's how the kingdom of God works. Those who have plenty help those who don't have. And it all flows out of a heart of thanksgiving. When you're grateful to God for what he's done in your life, it makes it really easy to give. When you realize how much God has given you and me, it makes it really easy to give to others the way he gave to me. Third thing this morning is who can you bless and how? So, so if we're going to bless somebody, who can you bless? Who's around you? What needs do you see? What, what burden has God put on your heart? Who can you bless and how can you bless them? I'm not asking you to give out of compulsion. I'm not asking you to go out and sacrifice today. I'm not asking you to give out of guilt, but out of thanksgiving. When, it, when that's our motivation, Everything else is made easier. There's a story that's uh, told about Alexander the Great. And one day there was a beggar on the roadside begging for alms. And uh, the man was so poor and he had no claim and no right to ask anything of the ruler. Yet the emperor threw him several gold coins. A member of his court was astonished at his generosity 
and commented, Sir, copper coins would have adequately met a a beggar's need. Why give him gold? Alexander responded in royal fashion, Copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. What if we gave not out of our extra, out of our excess? What if we gave according to what God has given us? What if we gave according to what suits God? He's blessed us with so much. What if we gave of our best? What a difference we could make. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Who can you share with? I'll never forget my, uh, my family growing up. We, we didn't have a whole lot. Um, it wasn't that I, we were really poor. We just didn't have a lot of extras. Uh, I didn't have designer clothes. Uh, I didn't, you know, my parents didn't drive nice cars, and they would go without the things they needed to give us what, what we needed. And uh, there was a church, uh, there was a family in our church that was struggling financially. And uh, the dad was out of work and they were having a hard time making ends meet and they weren't going to have much of a Thanksgiving dinner. So my dad took me grocery shopping and uh, we pulled everything that we thought they would need to have a good Thanksgiving dinner. I think my dad spent around $150 buying groceries for this family. $150 that our family really didn't have to give. And uh, my dad made a game out of it. He, uh, he told me, okay, when we pull up at their house, we're going to get out of the car and quietly as you can take the groceries up to the doorstep. So we made a couple trips back and forth from my dad's truck up to the front door. He said, okay, now we're going to ring the doorbell and run as fast as you can, get in the car and let's get out of here. So, so we, we snuck up to the door, rang the doorbell, took off running, got in the car, my dad peeled out of there and uh, it was so cool. It was so fun. Uh, I loved it, but it taught me so much about giving. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget my dad blessing that family and wanting nothing in return just to share what God has blessed us with. My dad did this not only at Thanksgiving, but at Christmas he would deliver presents to kids who weren't going to have any presents. And all throughout the year, my dad was the guy in the church that people called when they had a problem, when they had needs. Single moms would have a flat tire on the freeway and my dad would uh, jump out of bed and go fix their flat tire and get them back on the road. That's the kind of guy my dad is. He set a great example for me. He would, almost every Saturday, go to the widows in the church and mow their lawns for them. He gave of what he had. We didn't have a lot, but he gave And I'm so thankful that that heart that he had to give was transplanted into me. And God has has given me this heart to give eagerly because I've just seen so often how when, when God has blessed me and I give to others, I don't have less. 
but God multiplies what he has for me. I end up with, with more than enough for my own needs when I serve and bless others. So what do you have to give? Who could you bless? Who do you know that's struggling and that's in need right now? We can do something about it. We have the resources in this room to make a difference in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our sphere of influence. You can give of your talent, your time, your gifts, and even your resources to bless others. And it all starts with a heart of gratitude. What a great way to start the week by thanking God for what he has given us.